Are you blessed or are you cursed With a strong imagination and a spiritual thirst Do you wanna confide about the darkness inside Come and talk about it on self Worst. Hey everybody, welcome to Self-Worst. I am Brad Pearson. This week we're talking to organizer and activist Jackie Painter. Uh, she lives here in Red Hook, Red Hook native and uh, runs a program, a mutual aid program called Red Hook Relief um, here in the community they've been doing. Uh, we've been doing uh, food relief, water relief, uh, stuff like that in, in the midst of the pandemic. Um, I've been uh, I've been really proud of the work that we've been doing. Uh, I, I, I got involved uh, pretty early into, uh, you know, when, when shit was going down and um, it's been a really cool thing, uh, working with all of these folks and, uh, and just watching, uh, watching the way, uh, Jackie organizes, uh, all of this stuff, all of these people, all of these resources. And, um, it's, it's really remarkable. So, um, I'm going to, uh, forego my usual panhandling for, uh, for Patreon money and Venmo money and go ahead and say that uh, I'm putting uh, the link to their uh, Venmo and Cash App in the show notes um, so you can donate to them. They need it more than me, uh, more than the podcast needs it really, to be honest. Um, so um, if you've got a, a couple of bucks, uh, please consider donating to them. Uh, it's a really cool cause and um, they've been doing just really crazy cool work. Um that's about it. That's about all I got, I think. Um, you know how I am with transitions into interviews. You know how I am. I got nothing. I don't know. What have I, what have I been doing? We went to Vermont. We did an isolation vacation in Vermont. That was nice. Uh, we've been watching Detroiters. I, 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 that's, that's pretty much it. I don't know. Quarantine life's kind of boring, if you haven't uh, noticed. I, I, I took a friend of the show, Diego Lopez, up on uh, training. We did some kettlebell work today. That's exciting. Um, you know, uh, just just living life, man. Uh, that's that's it. That's it. I hope all of you are doing well. I hope you are staying safe and sane in quarantine. I hope that you are wearing masks. I hope that you are remaining safe in your... Uh, work and uh, should you have it um, and your 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 day-to-day life um, hope you're uh, getting tested every couple of weeks important stuff to do um, you know stay strong keep at it if you are in Brooklyn um, I say this during the interview but it bears repeating uh, if you're uh, in uh, the Brooklyn area and there isn't a mutual aid uh, program happening in your neighborhood um, think about starting one um you know think about just getting together with some people and uh you know ask around how do how how do i you know even begin doing this kind of shit or come on down to red hook uh, we're always looking for more people um you know uh we do shit mostly on uh wednesdays and uh saturdays we do food delivery um it's a it's a really good thing to do so um you know uh i am i am great because i do it anyway um, let's go to the interview with Jackie Painter.
Hey everybody, um, we're uh, we're gonna drop this uh, sometime next week. So we we are we are a little bit late uh, dropping this episode. We're like a week off of our usual schedule, but you know, um, the end times being what they are, sometimes schedules are just a little bit uh, up in the air. Um, you know. You're lucky I'm still making this podcast, to be perfectly honest. We got a lot going on. Um, and we're lucky to have our guest, Jackie Painter. Uh, how you doing, Jackie? Hi, I'm good. Sweet. Thank you. How are you? I'm good, yeah. Um, you know, it was it, we we ran into each other earlier today. Um, you know, you live in the neighborhood. Uh, it's weird to FaceTime with somebody who's like two blocks away, but, you know, this is just uh, this is the world <laughs> we're in. So, yeah. what are you going to do? First question. I've been thinking about this for a minute. Are you named after the kid in Puff the Magic Dragon? No, I'm not. It's just a coincidence? Just a coincidence. Just like Jackie Chan and I have the same first name, which some people think to call me Jackie Chan, and that doesn't really make sense. That does That, like, barely tracks. Yeah, I know. It's like the only Jackie that people know, I think, is Jackie Chan, so... They're like, I don't know, Jackie. Like, they never heard of Jackie Gleason. They never heard of any other Jackie. We got all. we got Jackie Gleason. We got Jackie Kennedy. Um, mm-hmm. We got Jackie. You got any other Jackies? I don't know. I'm running no, dry on Jackies. Really. I, well, you spell it differently than most of them, too. Yeah. Yeah, I spell it differently. Um, but yeah. It's just Jackie Chan. Like it, it. I thought growing up, I thought it was like, oh, it's like a kid thing. Like any kid knows Jackie Chan, like cool guy doing karate. But nope, adults are still like, oh, like Jackie Chan. And I'm like, well, no, not really. But okay. So you are from Red Hook. I think you're the first uh, Red Hook native who I've had on the show, which is which is interesting. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, about uh, growing up in Red Hook. Well, um, I hated it, to be honest. Hmm. Though I don't think anyone likes the B61. Uh, and there's nothing to do. There's just parks that honestly weren't that well-maintained back then. Uh, like, Valentino Pier wasn't like it is now at all. Uh, it was kind of cool to fuck around by the water, but, like, you know, it was rocky and kind of dangerous back then. Um and there, there was nothing to do. There's, there's only like the Chinese place to go eat back then, apparent, uh, especially. Um, that one on Van Brunt. Yep, there was the Chinese place. Go strong. Uh, you know, this was like before the barbecue spot, before everything, before you know, Lobster Pound was still like running out of like a shack, basically. Um, and it was just that the Chinese place and the chicken spot. Um, and it was, I mean, it was fun cause it was different, I guess, but also like as a kid, you always want to like, be like your friends, like, oh, I've got friends in Brooklyn who live in downtown Brooklyn and they have a movie theater and like, they have this and Manhattan, like that was like the end all be all. So it was weird. And no one knew Red Hook back then when Ikea opened, that was the first time I ever heard anyone know about red hook like every time you say i live in red hook people are like where is that and you're like oh it's in brooklyn down south by the water and they're like whoa i don't go down there right you're like well i don't blame you because you can't get down there 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing. That's the thing that sort of kept this as like a weird insular uh, community is the the, yeah. the transit doesn't really. There is a, tra- I mean, you can walk to the train from here, but you basically go to a different neighborhood. You know, you're going over the, uh, yeah. the footbridge. You're going over the, um, the, uh, the, the highway. And yeah, you know, it's and- just, it's not really the same. No, and Smith and Ninth is not like a good Smith and, station. Like, yeah, it's not a good. Well, it was closed for a long time to begin yeah, with. Yeah, it's closed for a long and, time, and then like a long time ago, they didn't have escalators, so you had to walk all the way up, and yeah. it was horrible. It was it was bad. Well, they still don't have escalators going all the way up, do they? That's yeah, what's fucking crazy. They they, they, do, they do where I I haven't seen this. Well, I you keep can't going... go. It's true. You can't go all the way. There is a little when you when you have to choose Manhattan mm-hmm. or Queens, like you have to you have to walk a little bit. But or I guess it would be Manhattan. Yeah, it's, a, it's that final uh, schlep up onto the platform, I guess. Yeah, which is really messed up because it's not accessible. Well, and there's also there's no elevator. No, there's no. They elevator. spent how many how many millions of dollars refurbishing that fucking station that was out of commission for three or four years and they didn't put in a fucking elevator. They just put in, they just put on like a bunch of like shiny shit on the outside and they're like, look, we did it. And it's like, you could have put in an elevator and this could have been wheelchair accessible. Yep. And it's really messed up. And the B61, I've heard so many times that they're reforming the B61 and that's never happened. They did add a few more buses. Like I can tell the difference because it used to now it comes like once an hour it used to come like once a day it yeah. would seem like but still like other other areas in Brooklyn not too far away even have the nice electric buses with mm-hmm. like the double down kind and you know we still have the old ones yeah it's i don't you you really do see the uh the class disparity across Mm -hmm. brooklyn and different neighborhoods i mean if you go to atlantic avenue they have a whole uh i don't really know how it's funded i assume it's private um that it's just it's just an organization that just goes around cleans up removes graffiti picks up trash and yeah that's like there's you see them they're like uh just these dudes rolling around with garbage cans Mm -hmm. just picking shit up and yeah. that's the only, I think that's the only neighborhood in Brooklyn where I've been that I got, that actually happens. Um, yeah, they have one in Bushwick, too. It's called the Bushwick Cleaning Initiative or something. Yeah. It's, it's called Bushwick Something Initiative. Yeah. Yeah. I used to get mad at those guys because they would take down my stickers. I used to, I, I put up uh, stickers everywhere, um, you know, make art and, and print it onto stickers. And they would always take it down in that neighborhood. And that's like right where I work. Mm. And they were always, they're always censoring my art, man. Not into that. No. Um, so. What kind of kid were you? Um, I don't, what a question. Uh, I was a, I was a nerd. I'm still a super nerd. Um, I'm, I don't know. I was, I was super loud and annoying, but also I think I'm loud and annoying now still. Uh. I was always running around all over the place. I think like any New Yorker city kid too, you're like let loose at like 10. Like your parents are like, all right, get out. Like, bye. Never see you. Yeah. And you know, this whole city is your playground. So I, I definitely took advantage of it. Um, 
I would get in trouble a lot. But I would always have very good grades, but I would just get in trouble for, like, being loud and annoying. Mm. So you, you did what good in school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I like, studied and, and got good grades and everything, but I was always getting kicked out of class or told to shut up or something because I was making trouble in the back and trying to fight the boys back if they were trying to, I don't know, pick on somebody. Which And then I would get in trouble for it. It's messed up. Right. But story of my life. Right. You do a lot of activism work, which is uh, kind of yeah. how we know each other and, uh, you know, uh, why I wanted to have you on the show. Um, what brought you around to that? Um, I think it was, I, I mean, I always was um, in, in high school or middle school or whatever. Uh, that was like when New York City was learning about recycling and like you know Al Gore put his movie out about climate change and inconvenient truth and uh that was like the big you know thing um in high school and I was in this initiative um with the city where they would like interview kids about recycling uh and we worked on getting recycling bins in every school in like private public and like the few charter schools that were there back then uh and yeah it was we started this um organization called the green schools alliance which is still going strong and then i went to college far away from here which like i said i tried to get away yeah, it's good. It's good to get away. And then, you know, I mean, even if you're from like yeah. a, a cool city and like, you know, a really cool place, you, you should you, you got to get out of it just to see how yeah. the rest of the world lives. Where did you go to college? University of Colorado, Boulder. Oh, hell yeah. Colorado. Yeah, it was. That's a, um, that's a weird. Beautiful. That's a weird, funky state. It is. And it Boulder is a very funky little town, little mm-hmm. city. Um. But it wasn't for me. It was it was good. It was awesome. I love it. It's a beautiful place. It's great for four years. But especially, like, as a New Yorker, like, you see everything in one year. Like, after one year, you're like, great, I walked this whole city. Right. Now. So, I came back. Um, There's just sort of an inherent maybe. restlessness, I think, maybe, to, to being from... Yeah, uh, such a intense city, and that's the seat, the the speed that you're set at, and it just yeah. uh, it, it it's easy to burn yeah, and it's place. like yeah, and and like the public transportation really is is just you don't you don't realize it, you know, and then you yeah. go somewhere else, and you're like, oh my Dude, god, that's what's crazy is the public transit in New York is sad and sucks ass and it's mm-hmm. the best public transportation in the country that's yeah. like i keep thinking about that like i've lived here for about 10 years and gotten pretty used to, i i don't actually even deal with the train much um just in my day-to-day schedule um yeah. i haven't been on the train since the beginning of the pandemic um and it's i'm lucky that i don't have to mm-hmm. um and that it was 
for the last few years, for the last like we'll say five or so years, hasn't really been part of my schedule. Um, yeah, I, I I have a bike and I can mostly get around on that. Um, but everybody in New York gripes about the train. Um, yeah, because it's easy to see how it could be improved. It's just it's so yeah. easy. Just like okay, make them all. Uh, yep. wheelchair accessible clean the fucking stations clean the fucking trains have yep. them actually like run on a schedule hey maybe uh, since it's 2020 and we've all had computers uh, for the last like 20 years in our houses and, and since we've all had uh, smartphones for the last at least like 10 years maybe you should have an app that uh, helps locate your train or helps you, you know, like yeah. th that works underground maybe we should have yeah. like just all of these like simple improvements free. Yeah, just you know, like that that we could we could totally have, mm -hmm. but it's just we 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 acquiesce to accepting what we're given, and I think what really holds us down is the fact that this this public transit system like i was saying is as good as it gets yeah. in the country like this this crumbling infrastructure with these like sad stations with like 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 moss and fucking like tiles breaking off that's the best that we can do as a nation yeah. it's just it's amazing to me it's amazing yeah yeah i mean you know uh if you saw the the plans for the new trains that are happening in the next 5 years or whatever that plan was uh they want to put power outlets in each train car yeah and it's like no one needs power outlets when our trains can barely run i mean our train system runs on a signal system still from 19 from the 30s yeah like that's insane that we're still like that is number one thing that needs to be fixed is that signal system needs to be digitalized is it going to cost billions of dollars yes probably but is it gonna help millions of people yes like it's just it's it's insane to me that our priorities are putting let's put outlets and usbs on trains so people can charge their phones but you're gonna have to wait 45 minutes for the train because of signal issues yeah. and on a crowded platform like it's ridiculous i mean that's that's the um it's a very American solution, you know, mm -hmm. slapping, slapping kind of like a, a, a pretty liberal bandaid on, mm -hmm. onto uh, a, a deep rot kind of problem. It's, yeah. it's pretty amazing. I don't know. Um, so when, when you started with um, environmental, it was like, yeah, it was environmental activism that sort of brought you into it. Um, yeah. What, like talk talk more about that like what what was the impetus was it um that inconvenient truth scared the shit out of you or that it inspired <laughs> you or that um or that or, or yeah what what specifically was it that that, that moved yeah you? i don't know um i mean i think that i come from a waterfront community like i'm from Red Hook and the fact that we were all playing on 
these rocks in Valentino Park, that pier park, whatever you want to call it, you know, were just like raw and we were, you know, run around this, the, the true nature of New York City. In Red Hook, especially back then, it, it was almost like nature was taking over some of the city that was a little bit forgotten about. This old part of our city still, our cobblestones, like you really, I think that Red Hook is a beautiful place where you're really one with nature in the heart of the city. So you're still in Brooklyn, you still have people busy about their day and everything and, and cars and buses and whatever. But because we're so connected to the water here, it's just really this environmental centric place. Um, so I just kind of thought that it was what needed to be done to protect the planet, I guess. Um, were, were people, re were people receptive sometimes. to it? Um, were people, no, uh, of course not, yeah. especially in high school. Like, no. it's like, you know, you freak, like people would, you know, take stuff and throw it in the garbage can, like a can that I would be like, put it in the recycling bin. And they'd be like, oh yeah. And they'd throw it in the garbage can. Like, you know, kids are little shits, but yeah. now a day is like, we've made so much progress, um, with our environmental efforts in the city. Like, it's you know we banned straws two years ago so that was something that i think no one would have ever thought was possible in 2008 yeah it's i mean you know like i i like steps like that um i always laugh when i see a, like a, a paper straw in a plastic cup but yeah. you know it's i the argument i guess is that you can in theory recycle the plastic cup you can't really recycle the straw mm -hmm. but it still is just like one of those things yeah. it's just like ah man what are we well it's also just more of a mindset too like it it helps people remember that something's important like i think that you know i think that what's really good about these small little changes and a lot of people are like oh well statistically speaking you're not making a difference whatever and it's like, okay, true, but if you're making a difference in people's actual, like, minds where they're like, oh, yeah, like, shit, straws are bad, or, like, I better recycle this because this subconsciously reminded me that the environment matters. Right. I mean, it, whether or not um, a straw ban actually is really effective isn't the issue. It's that mm -hmm. now we're discussing straws and now we're discussing single-use mm -hmm. plastics. And yeah, mm -hmm. it's going to piss a lot of people off. Um, but it, I mean, good. Like, you know, yeah. like people need to be pissed and people need to be thinking and talking about this shit, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and I think it goes, that goes for any, uh, any cause, any, anything mm -hmm. that you're doing to, um, change the status quo. Like you're going to have to make people uncomfortable. Um, that's yeah. something that's difficult for me, uh, to do a lot of the time as like a, uh, you know, deeply ingrained, uh, polite Midwesterner. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it, I'm getting, I'm getting better and better at it. Uh, that, you know, it, it, the conventional, or I don't know, the, the, the saying that people have about protests is that, you know, if, if everybody is okay with your protesting and if the cops are okay with you protesting, then it's not a protest. It's a parade. You know, it's a, it's a picnic, you know, like that the disruption on some level is necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, 
from every level. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like say what you want about riots and property destruction. Um, you know, I have mixed feelings about those kinds of tactics, but it got people fucking talking, did it not? And, mm-hmm. you know, people years ago were offended at Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the anthem, mm-hmm. but it got them talking, did it not? Like, that's that's the, the goal, is to yeah. get people discussing those things, and you're not going to do it by... Uh, by 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 placating people and and, and making people yeah. comfortable, you know. Yeah, totally. Um, it's, I, I mean, of course, we also live in in such a monitored and systematic society where, like, of course, the police are gonna know about protests. Like, that's just if if people think that they don't know and that they're not like letting it go and letting it slide, like, then you don't understand that we're in a very monitored system right now and other if we didn't really tell them then yeah like maybe a hundred people would get arrested and we'd get it would be not safe um but definitely at the beginning especially in may at the end of may there like all of that disruptance was very necessary and all the like occupy movements the abolition park movements I think they were all necessary for a national discussion, especially since the media also doesn't like to cover it fully as well as they should. No, and they don't have the attention span for it. Like, I mean, there are still protests going on today and Mm -hmm. it's not making headlines anymore because the attention span has moved on from the media. Yeah. So, you know, that's another reason why the tactics have to keep changing and, you know, why... Why things have to get intense sometimes because that's mm-hmm. the only thing that gets people's attention. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. we, you know, like if people, the, these are all, all of these issues uh, police brutality, environmentalism, um, class disparity could mm-hmm. all be addressed if people actually wanted to talk about it, but you have to fucking force them to. That's the thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and everyone, the thing about people is that everyone loves a cause, like everyone loves to get behind a cause. And sometimes people's causes are personal, are very personal. Uh, like after that, that first day at Barclays in Brooklyn, like when Carlos and I got in a tiff with the police, um, a lot of my friends who would have never been at any of these protests came out. Yeah. And we're like, oh, shit, you know, that's that's my friend. Uh, tell, and, tell us about that 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 night. Uh, yeah. So. We were at the Barclays protest, which was peaceful. Um, it was definitely getting rowdy, but it was really because the cops showed up in riot gear and started, you know, pushing back at the crowd violently. There were a few like water bottles thrown at the cops, um, but they're, you know, their reaction to that was just mass amounts of tear gas and pepper spray, which was ridiculous. Um, and as we were marching, when we finally got to the 86th precinct, the cops came in riot gear to block us and they just got violent and started 
pushing back against everyone and throwing people to the ground and kicking people and they had their batons out and were hitting people. Um, and Carlos and I were in, in the front because there's the whole, you know, white people to the front yeah. uh, tactic that we use at protests. And um, so I was in the front row. Carlos was right behind me. And uh, they beat us up pretty bad for our hands were up the whole time. And, and the fact that there are so many videos of that night, like hundreds of videos of protesters with their hands up and the cops running towards us is insane to me. It's like, they're all still, and, and not even individual. Like, I'm not even saying like, oh, you should charge the people that beat this crowd of people up individually no like it's it's a systematic change you should see these videos if you're someone in charge if you're the mayor if you're the governor if you're anyone in power and you should be like wow our entire police system and police force is at fault like the nypd needs to be rethought but instead they gave them a billion dollars yeah six billion but that's that's their yeah just throw more money at the problem you know i'm I'm sure that the like the the more uh gear and training that they have that'll uh things will improve yeah i mean it's just yeah and and put some more cops in schools which is always the solution isn't it yeah were you here um during hurricane sandy uh I was at college, actually. Mm. So my mother was here, and um, our apartment, just like every apartment in Red Hook, like it, it got really, really badly water damaged. And my mom was over it. She she left. Um, she's been having some other personal issues at the time. And San- when Sandy hit, she, she was over it. So she left out of Red Hook. And... Um, She's tried to move back, actually, but she can't because it is too expensive now in this neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird. I I mean, I think about. Uh, I, I mean, I love this neighborhood so much, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I'm I'm in a you know a, a, a long term committed relationship. We have a dog. We've had a dog officially for a year now, all of that. And, you know, we we talk a lot about um, putting down roots somewhere um, and how that's just I mean, that's more or less out of the question for us buying any kind of property here in New York. Um, But even if we did, in theory, um want to buy a house here in Red Hook. I just don't really know if that would be a wise move just because mm-hmm. like, I mean, the next hurricane that comes, the next big uh, hurricane that wallops New York is going to fuck this whole neighborhood up again. And then yeah. like, what's going to happen to our property values? What's going to happen yeah. to like, how's, how's, um, what's the insurance going to be like in an area like this? You know, mm-hmm. like it just doesn't make any sense and nothing is being nothing's it doesn't seem like anything is being done uh, 
for neighborhoods like this where thousands of people live, where a lot of people own their homes and have had them for a generation or more. And what's going to happen when, yeah. like, when there's water all the way up to, like, I don't know, Sullivan Street? Yep. Yeah, there's no, I mean, there is no plan. There should be a citywide plan. As even then, honestly, I don't know if I would trust it because, as you know, the resiliency plan in place with the Red Hook houses right now is a complete disaster at the moment. I mean, they cut down all of our trees that are hundreds of years old. We have had huge shade-bearing trees, a hundred-year-old tree, and they're just chopping, they just chopped them all down. Yeah. So it's like... Mostly around, or mostly around the Red Hook houses. They just, like, I've, I saw it. It's, like, it's some, like, grotesque version of a beaver dam. Just these chopped up logs that have just been sitting there for months. Yep. And, like, it, it's just been torn up. You can't get from one side to the other on the blocks. Because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. all just construction fence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What it's, are they doing? Uh, what are they, what, what is the... I don't even really know what the resiliency plan is. What is this? Exactly. And the fact that no one really knows what it is, it's, I mean, it needs to be posted in the whole neighborhood. Um, it's not even posted within the NYCHA houses themselves. The resiliency plan is a plan to be completed in a few years from now. Um, I say a few years just because it, I think that they're going to have to slow it down uh, during this pandemic. Uh, but it was essentially around like 2024, 2034. Um, it, it's a very long-term plan and it's a emergency resiliency plan for the next disaster, like a flood. Um, they are trying to do stuff to the environment itself, like land use, um, putting in different soil and plants uh, to, to get, you know, when we do have a flood, um, to try to minimize that. They are putting pods in for generators. Um, they're putting, they're trying to put like little extra seating areas and shady areas, but honestly, like what they're doing, you know, to the ground and the landscape is they tore it all up and then the pandemic hit and then they stopped for a little bit and with no warning whatsoever, they, they just came back in and, still was digging up all the ground. Um, our soil has tested positive for very high lead levels. And they're in there just tearing up all the ground, tearing up all the soil. Uh, we're one of the areas in New York City with the highest asthma rate, individuals in Red Hook. Um, and they don't, they don't care. They're tearing everything up, tearing everything down, chopping down everyone's trees. Uh, and it's just no regard for human health. Like, as you know, their construction also requires turning off the water mains yeah. at certain times. And they've been turning off these water mains at random times, multiple times a month with no warning to the residents. They say that they give robocalls, but... First of all, when I get a call on my phone that says 1-800-000-1111, I'm not going to answer that. And yeah. especially if I pick up and I'm like, hello, 
And then I don't hear anything, or I hear a robot go, hello, I hang up that faster than you can even say hello. Yeah. And, I mean, this is their excuse to doing all this work. It's like, oh, yeah, well, we alerted the residents because we gave everybody a robocall. No, fuck your robocall. It's ridiculous. Put a flyer up and don't do the work. You're telling New Yorkers, wash your hands, wash everything. It's coronavirus, and you're shutting off their water, and you're put you're blowing up dust in the air. Yeah. I mean, it's it's entirely unsafe. It's it's unlivable and it's un it's inhumane. Well, and you're creating a demand for water, bottled water, that this neighborhood doesn't have access to. We have yeah. one big grocery store, mm-hmm. and then two, three kind of small crappy ones, and then some bodegas. Mm-hmm. Those would be completely ran out of water um, if there was, a, you know, in, in any situation, mm-hmm. um, the, the beginning of the pandemic, a snowstorm, yeah. a flood, what have you, mm-hmm. that gets bought up in an afternoon. Yeah. Um, so uh, for the listener, a thing that um, uh, I worked on uh, just this week with Jackie was uh, distributing water uh, to... Uh, the community in in the uh, mostly in in the NYCHA houses and the Red Hook houses, um, because this last week uh, the um, the water was being shut off and uh, the whole so like what was it like a month ago um, the a water main broke yeah um, and so you know shit happens water mains break. You know, and and so they were left without water for a couple of days. That's sort of whatever. But then after that, in terms of dealing with the fallout from, okay, now we have to, you know, we we fixed it sort of temporarily, but we have to go back in, shut off the water and like reinforce it, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Dealing with that, they have not communicated anything to the residents, to the community about... Uh, when they're going to shut off the water, how long it's going to be shut off, any of that, any of that important info. So we not only were, uh, we, we got something like what, seven tons of water donated and we're distributing it in the park. Um, we went in, I went into, uh, one of the houses and was just literally just knocking on every single apartment door going floor by floor, just knocking on the doors and giving them flyers and being like, hey, so uh, they might have told you that the water is being shut off tomorrow, but it's not being shut off tomorrow. But they're not they're not telling us mm-hmm. when. And like I had to repeat this story to just dozens and dozens of people in this building. And, you know, like I, like it just felt so weird. Like what? Like I'm just like this like white kid coming in and and, and giving them a flyer <laughs> and 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 and. I know just a little bit more about the situation than they do when they live there. And like, I barely know yeah. anything. I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like the, the people I'm yeah. working with are, are telling me that like, they're not shutting off the water tomorrow, but they might. And then like, it, it just, it was such a mess. It's just such yeah. a mess. And I don't know. It's just the, the degree of, response that has fallen on 
or the degree of responsibility that has fallen on to um, just private citizens in the community is mm -hmm. crazy because it's just like, mm -hmm. well, where's the fucking city? Like, why isn't why aren't there city workers here helping yeah. with this? Like, wh why are we doing this? Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously everyone in our group is pro neighbors helping neighbors like very yeah, about totally. that life very about like not relying on our government whatever but this is literally their job if my building were to lose water i have the right to call my landlord and say you didn't give me any notice you need to bring us water right now like you didn't that, that is your right as a building landlord as an owner of the building you need to respond to those requests and the fact that the people that live in these buildings, there's no point person. They can't call anyone. They're just stuck with no water, not knowing what's happening, not knowing what's going on. And NYCHA, which stands for New York City Housing Authority, if we didn't say it before, um, it's, it's their job. They have the money to pay someone to put up flyers, to pay someone to distribute water. I mean, these are apartment buildings with thousands of people. 1,050 people lost water the first time. The second time was about 2,000. The third time, I think, was even more. You know, it's just, it's their job to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it, it gives me so many weird... Uh, mixed feelings as a um i don't know as a as a a community minded person as a as an activist as a socialist um because i mean i do believe that the role of a government should be to like a like yeah housing is a right and uh people who can't afford to buy housing uh, or rent housing in the market, they should not be out on the street. And so it'd be great if the government gave them some sort of deal on housing. So that mm -hmm. is essentially what NYCHA is doing. Mm -hmm. um, and yet they do such a shitty job that yeah. it like, it kind of, it gives me pause to want to give any more, uh, 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 power or anything, any more responsibility to the government if this is how they're going to fucking act. But mm -hmm. I mean, then the whole reason that they're acting this way with this nonchalance, with dragging their feet, with this sort of half-assed thing is because it's just simply not a priority in our society. So like, yeah. why should our government give a flying fuck yeah. about about these people in these houses because yeah. the, the, the officials at the end of the day, they're still getting their paycheck. Oh yeah. It's, it's very, very clear, especially during this pandemic. I think that it's brought to light in multiple areas of the city that it's very clear that some people's lives don't matter. Yeah. Period. If you are affluent and white or live in fancy pants, Manhattan somewhere, like, you matter to the city. Oh, that you guys are friends. Corey Johnson and you are besties. But 
if you are living in the Red Hook houses, NYCHA literally doesn't care about your life. This is a, we're in a global pandemic. And when the water was shut off, when we finally got in touch with someone from NYCHA the first day, they were like, okay, 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 we'll fix the situation. And they sent someone over to open two fire hydrants. And we're like, there you go, ta-da, peace out, we're leaving. And yeah, right, just, okay, just bring like, a bucket? Just like, what yeah, the fuck are you supposed yeah. to do with that? And like, they, they make them into like, quote-unquote, water stations. Uh-huh. Where they, they set up a little, like, it's like kind of like a little standing desk ta- bench thing. And they have little hoses, essentially, that hook up to the fire hydrant. And then you go and you fill up your bucket and you fill up your bottles, I guess, of water. And it's like, first of all, you're telling me that you want an 85-year-old senior woman to leave her apartment on the sixth floor in 95-degree heat, go downstairs in the middle of a pandemic who hasn't left her house at all. She's old. She's immunocompromised. Walk all the way down, fill up a bucket of water that she can barely carry, and somehow make it back to her apartment safe, corona-free. Like, come on. It's ridiculous. Fire hydrants, first of all, are for animals to drink out of. Yes, as a kid, we've all, or an adult, whatever, we've all drank out of fire hydrants. But that is, to say that's a solution of clean water... No, that's a solution for a dog if a dog gets too hot yeah. in the summer. Like, it's just absolutely insane. The li- lives of these people in New York City don't matter to our government. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I don't know. What do we do? How do we make it matter? What What's your thought? Well, I mean, we just really need change. Um, if you care about these issues and if you care about your city and and your community you need to get involved because we have to get all of these people out you know who should be working in NYCHA someone who lives in a NYCHA house yeah like wow radical idea I know that's who someone who experiences every day what it's like to live there you know we need to start putting our own people in these positions in the government if you want things to be different, people need to run. There's, you know, elections happen every year for small things, every two years, and obviously every four years. Um, there are little tiny things too, like county committee, which is the most local form of government. And there are 4,000 something Brooklyn County Committee seats. Like most of those are empty. Yeah. Uh, and it, takes like 10 signatures in some places or zero signatures to win your county committee seat and that means you're on the county committee for like a few blocks of your area i mean it's just taking over things that we don't like happens with getting in on the inside like i love the example of bernie sanders right Mm -hmm. bernie sanders was never a big politician kind of guy he was never a part of the system or the machine but he ran on the democratic ticket and yes i'm sure he had to like get his way in there and keep his mouth shut along the way to get inside but he got inside he was inside and he was very vocal he used that platform 
that our country has in our system to vocalize his ideas that were radical to some people, which is just like, hey, free healthcare. And then the people are like, oh shit, radical. It's amazing that just that Bernie Sanders is viewed as somebody who is radical. It's it's mm-hmm. it really speaks to uh, how far to the right this country is um mm-hmm. and to the you know the um to, to use a nerdy wonky word that the overton window how far to the right that whole conversation has even shifted that for some yes. like this this old curmudgeonly democratic socialist who's just been sort of in obscurity for decades in you know burlington vermont which is like yeah. a place that most people in america haven't even heard of Um, you know, it, for him to rise to that, to, 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 uh, the, the platform of like presidential candidate, um, you know, even though he's not the nominee now, even though he's lost, like, and, and that's a fucking bummer. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that he ran um just to start that conversation exactly because like that's what's gotten people talking you know Mm -hmm. and it it takes a guy like that it Mm -hmm. takes this just stubborn willful fucking annoying old guy who's just been Mm -hmm. saying this over and over for 30 years to to make people listen and like finally it fucking hooks finally it resonates with people you know yeah, um, I mean, think about how many people now, since 2016, are more left than ever before. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it just, it, 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 it takes, I don't know, being, like, just believing, like, having some patience in the process. And, like, I listen to a lot of people who are more, um, I don't know moderate or centrist than than i might find myself and they talk about the idea of incremental change and Mm -hmm. how like a guy like bernie is too radical and we need to push for more incremental practical change and blah 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 and i'm like dude the way you get increments is by pushing as hard as you can you Mm -hmm. don't come to the table exactly you don't come to the table when you need a hundred bucks and ask for 20 you come and you ask for 200 and you exactly. push for 200. Like that's exactly. how you fucking do it. So yes. like, I don't know. I'm glad, I'm glad, I, I don't know. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Bernie and I'm grateful for, um, you know, uh, like fucking, uh, Corey Bush and, and, and Rashida Tlaib and like all these, all these, like, um, I don't know, just like all these people in, in lower, smaller offices, Jabari Brisport, who like we mm-hmm. just got to vote for, um, mm-hmm. you know, who are just like, he's just like a down to earth guy. I've met him just casually canvassing a couple mm-hmm. of times and just like, oh, yeah, you're that dude. And like, and, and yeah. now he's now he's fucking made it. And that's great. Like, yeah, I don't know. Like, we need those people on the ground, like you're saying. Um, yeah, definitely. Have you uh, have you thought about running for office? Uh, yeah, I, I've always it's always been a thing on my mind. Um, like I said, like you know, it's always what I've believed is that if you want something done, you have to do it yourself. And the way 
we do this is it's definitely a marathon, not a sprint, as uh, you know, people say. But it's true. It's something that happens, like you just said, incrementally, small moves, big pushes, but they happen in small changes. Um, I mean, I always think, too, about 2016, like, how people say, you know, oh, Trump won, and it, it was, we could have done, we could have done differently, we could have not had Trump. I don't believe that at all. Trump's win was inevitable. Yeah. Because yeah. these people, these right-wing people, were always here. They never left. Since 1965, when they went into hiding, they're back now, because they heard someone say horribly racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, bigoted things that were, they were like, oh, nice, like, this is my guy. Yeah. And, you know, people get complacent when they don't have anything to fight for. And a lot of America lives in suburbs and um, are, are okay with their life. And they, they like to live in, um, what are those called? Like those horse blinders. Yeah. Like, they like to, to not see injustices going around them because they don't it doesn't really affect them. But we're at this pivotal moment right now where it's affecting our country as a whole. So now I think people are choosing a side. And they're like, well, I'm not on Trump's side, so I guess I'll go with you guys. Like, you crazy kids who want free health care and public power and yeah. you know, a Green New Deal. Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, you're, you're totally right. I don't know if you've, um, I don't know if you've read Dark Money. Um, oh, yeah. I've just been reading it sort of piecemeal because it's, it's just mm -hmm. too depressing. Um, mm -hmm. But like, that's always, that's always been there. And, you know, like, I, I think a lot of people um, have been just sort of doing an autopsy on 2016 for the last uh, four years. Mm -hmm. um, and myself included, like, you know, just like, where, like, what the fuck happened? Like, where did we go wrong? And I think about, you know, and I'm guilty of this too, just how kind of, you're right, like complacent people got, like that Obama was in office. Yep. And I think a lot of people thought that like, okay, cool. He's like doing good shit. And, you know, now we, um, now we have Obamacare and like that, mm -hmm. like, you know, that that's a major victory. And it is but like there was also like a lot of shit that he was not doing like mm -hmm. um prosecuting the fucking bankers who caused the financial collapse in 2008 and like mm -hmm. ending the forever wars that he said that he was going to end mm -hmm. and you know it just it basically what happened what it feels like it happened what happened was that his whole the whole democratic base of power had just become hollowed out. Yes. And and on the surface looked like a solid thing, but it was just it was brittle and hollow and didn't really have any actual uh substance to what mm -hmm. they were doing. And meanwhile, on the other side the Republican base, like we saw it, like just like right after Obama got elected, the Tea Party formed, and we sort of laughed at them and wrote them off. Yeah, yeah. And we were just like, oh, like what a bunch of fucking dummies, and yeah. didn't take them seriously. And now look what happened. You know, yeah, like they exactly. were solidifying that whole time and uniting exactly. and galvanizing. So, 
like you know we have to do the same thing i don't know mm-hmm. like it, 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 the idea that we're going to like win by trying to fucking compromise with these people is absurd to yeah. me yeah i mean they're not fucking look they're not looking to fucking compromise with us like certainly yeah. not definitely absurd to me too like i and also like super let's go biden like yes get in that white sure. house but like yeah definitely not happy or excited about it no but obviously donald trump is just a murderer yeah period. no he's like a he's, mass he's a mass fucking like he's let yeah uh, 150 odd something more than that that by now people die and yeah, just literally no. said it is what it is and doesn't give a yeah. fuck he doesn't give a fuck dude he never no. did like but like that's the thing is that he is he's not the disease he's a symptom of a exactly. corrupt system like remember just exactly. like what was it just yesterday um when the new york attorney general was uh like starting to drum up some charges turned out to be about the nra but like on twitter everybody was all abuzz like oh shit he's she's going after deutsche bank and she's gonna like she's gonna bring down trump and i'm like she is not going to bring down nobody we are not the system is not going to bring down trump because the system fucking created him and has been allowing people like him to access more money and more power forever like yeah. he is he is a cancer that has been allowed to grow this entire time by the system and you think that now they're going to be like oh shit we better take care of this guy no mm-hmm. yeah i mean exactly that's and and that's the the thing that both sides don't understand like everyone who voted for him thinking oh he's a self-made billionaire and he's going to he know There's he no must know thing. about economy like he'll help us it's like, no, actually, he's, I mean, he's a horrible example because he's very, very, very much the furthest thing from a self-made anything. Yeah. But, like, no, he's he's not, he didn't make a dollar in his life by himself. No. Money's been handed to him his whole life through his place in society and his family's place in our capitalistic system. So... What um, what were you doing uh in the before times? You know, like... <laughs> um, I work for a political consulting firm, hmm. so I was working on a project. It was sort of like a reform project for New York City's Medicare and Medicaid system. Um, it was uh to get more folks enrolled. And it's, it's actually funny that we were just talking about this because it did start, we all got hired after 2016 when New York City's Medicaid and Medicare numbers were the lowest they've ever been since the system's been in place uh, because of the Affordable Care Act and Obama and people had it easy kind of when they you know, we're easily able to get health insurance from Obamacare. So they didn't really remember to sign back on to their Medicaid and just New York City's numbers dropped drastically. Um, And we had to work in the past four years because everybody was very scared that Trump would slash Medicare and Medicaid like day one. Yeah. Um, So we had a program that was throughout the city 
where we would go and re-enroll people, find people that have dropped off, go into the city's um, senior centers that were owned by NYCHA. So all the, all the NYCHA buildings are required to have a senior center, uh, do some programming on Medicare and Medicaid, what it means, how to enroll, why it's important, stuff like that. Yeah. I know I have no healthcare background, but I have an organizing background. It's all so fucking complicated. It's insane. <laughs> and it's just it like is. I've had like I'm not uh like I don't have that kind of brain. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I have I have like a artsy fucking INFJ uh like feely kind of brain. You know, I don't have a like numbers stats premiums deductible copay blah 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 kind of shit you know and i've had to just like learn that because nobody fucking taught me how to navigate any of that that's not something that we're taught you know no in 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 our education system it's way too complicated and it's it's, too complicated it's this whole fucking rube goldberg machine when it could be very simple what we have now and like i've only come to understand what the fuck this even is by just like being run through the ringer with it so many times is the government is subsidizing private health insurance and and so so you're still buying private insurance but the government is helping you pay for it which is the only reason that insurance companies allowed it to exist because they're still getting money yeah it's very complicated <laughs> and so like they're calculating how much you can pay versus how much they have to pay and basically if you're poor like me if you don't have a lot of money they're going to give you the bronze you know the silver or bronze plan which is like the shittiest plan that they can really get away with mm-hmm. um and it just doesn't like, you know, like to your point, um, you know, somebody can look at those numbers and I bet a lot of people were excited that like, oh, hey, look, enrollment in uh, Medicare and, and Medicaid is way down. Mm-hmm. Um, so that means that less people are relying on the government for insurance. Yay. But like people are still like <laughs> the government is still fucking paying insurance companies like it's still like that it doesn't oh, everybody's so stupid. I don't know. It's. It's just amazing. Yeah, it's 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 just so overly complicated for no reason. And I mean, that's why I, I really enjoy doing that work because there are so many New Yorkers who are disabled or seniors and they can't navigate the system at all. Or maybe you're just, you know, someone who has maybe you're a single parent and just doesn't have don't have time to read through all the things and understand what all the different words mean and all that stuff. Um, so, you know, we would send organizers, we would do house visits, um, and they sit down and they would walk everyone through it, um, in all different languages in yeah. New York City. So, well, and it's not that even the, like, people are too, like, dumb to understand it, it's that it's, no. like, fucking crazy complicated, and if yeah. you even talk to somebody, like, a full-grown person who has, like, a suit-and-tie job and carries a briefcase to work, yeah. but they're from, they're from Europe... And they come here or they're from Australia or whatever. Uh, and, and you you explained it like, look at the look on their face. If you've ever talked to somebody uh, from a single payer country uh, about like just just try and explain to them 
what a copay is. Try and explain yeah. to them what a deductible is. Like, no, no. Yeah. We, so we we pay insurance. We pay the premium every month so that they'll uh, so that they'll pay our they'll help uh, pay for our medical bills should we need them. But we have to first meet a cap of money that we are paying ourselves before mm -hmm. they even start paying for our like what the fuck like just look at the confusion on their face it's amazing yeah i mean it's just like exactly what we said um nitra saying that they've been making robocalls it's like the the government doesn't put in any work to help anyone like everything is still on such an antiquated old system you know there are some things in medicare and medicaid that are still only paper-based you have to mail it back yeah like that's in New York City, they're going to rely on our mail? What? Like, it's ridiculous. And oh, yeah, and they're cutting the calls? fucking post office, too, by the way. So, like, what? Like, yeah, what is anybody supposed to do? Excuses so that they don't have to do the amount of work required because they don't care, period. Yeah. So, um, since the beginning of the, uh, the pandemic, you have been involved in Red Hook Relief. Um, yes. That's... that's you're not not only involved with it. It's your it's your brainchild. Is that right? Um, yeah, I mean it's it's just the Red Hook Mutual Aid group, though. Everybody was was doing mutual aid groups around the city uh, when the pandemic hit. All of us organizers who really already knew each other and were all in the same network already um, started doing mutual aid groups, and um, I know Red Hook very well. And I've been working with the senior center for the past four years uh, doing what I just talked about. So I knew a lot of our seniors. I, you know, I, I know their phone numbers. I knew generally where they lived, some of them. Um, and I knew what needed to be done. You know, I, my family was here during Sandy. My friends were here during Sandy. This is not, this is something that Red Hook is used to emergencies and, and crisis and, um, but we do a, things a little differently and always have in Red Hook here. Um, mutual aid, the whole mutual aid network got started very digitally. And that was something that I didn't like about mutual aid because everything that all these organizers were doing was online and Google Forms and do you need help? Like sign this Google form. And, and I don't think that really works for people in the red hook community we also have a big wi-fi issue like we're here on the tip like our internet goes out or we lose power mm -hmm. we didn't know what the pandemic was going to bring so i the first thing that we did was we organized a call with some other neighbors that i just knew and and it was like maybe 10 of us and i made a poster and i ran around the neighborhood and put the poster up everywhere uh asking for volunteers and then also saying if you're in need of assistance, uh, call this Google voice number. And I think that that helped us here in Red Hook because we, I didn't want to just rely on that digital internet system. Um, I guess I gave you like three answers in one, but yeah. Yeah. So what is it, what is it that, um, that you, that I guess we, uh, you know, because I'm, I'm working with you, but like, uh, you know, explain to our listeners what Red Hook, um, what Red Hook Mutual Aid is, is doing. Yeah, so Red Hook Mutual Aid, which we 
call ourselves Red Hook Relief. Like I just said, we do things differently here. Red Hook Relief. Um, yeah, and we distribute food. We deliver food to those otherwise unable to get it themselves, many times being seniors, those immunocompromised, those maybe sick in, in some way, uh, disabled, just shouldn't really be out in this pandemic. Yeah. deliver them fresh vegetables uh, in partnership with Red Hook Initiative. And um, we also have partnered with other organizations in Red Hook, like the Red Hook Art Project and the Redemption Red Hook Church for our food distributions, as well as the Red Hook Container Terminal. Um, and we also distribute PPE to people. And we also are there for stuff like the water. Um, that's really why I wanted to call it Red Hook Relief because I just kind of had a vision that like it was more than the whole mutual aid effort was just like about coronavirus. And I wanted to make sure that it was like relief. You know, we, as I said, we, we are a community of disasters, like prone to disaster, yeah. like Sandy. So I wanted to make sure that we were capable of doing more. Like I think that the water distribution is a good example of that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really um, again, you know, I, I, it's it's remarkable, and uh, I'm not uh, I'm not somebody who like I believe deeply in this, but I'm not somebody who could like even know where to begin, um, you know, with with organizing something like this. So I'm really glad that uh, there's there's people like you out there um, who have the know how to just put something like this together and, and get people moving. Yeah, thanks. Well, I'm so, glad there are people like you. We need more people. Shout out to all the volunteers and also call for more volunteers. Yes, absolutely. Um, if, you know, if this uh, podcast can do anything, uh, if I can, you know, contribute uh, my uh, questionable uh, uh, skill and clout in the podcasting world, um, you know, I wanted to use it to um, to promote uh, what we're doing here. And uh, so, you know, if you're listening to this, um, you know, I'm going to put a link in everything in the show notes. Uh, if you if you live anywhere nearby, if there isn't already a mutual aid uh, program in your uh, area, um, you know, come on down to Red Hook, help us out, hop on your bike and, and help yeah. us out. We're, you know, Wednesdays and Saturdays mostly is what we're doing, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's ongoing. Um, yeah. Jackie Painter, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show. Um, I got so much fucking respect for you. Um, it's, it's really just, uh, remarkable, uh, what you're doing. Um, and you know, and thank you for, for all your ongoing work. Um, if people want to find, uh, Red Hook Relief and, and get yes. involved, uh, tell us where we can do that. You can go to redhookrelief.org and there we have links to sign up as volunteer. And then we also have our donate links. Perfect. So yeah great all right well um yeah i guess that's about it i'll uh, i'll see yeah. you tomorrow we got some yeah. we got some food to to distribute yeah thank you so much brad it was good to talk without our masks on i know right <laughs>
the work that we're all doing uh, with, with Red Hook Relief, uh, with the organizing that she's working on. Um, so links are in the show notes once again. And um, yeah, that's about it. Uh, again, stay safe, stay sane. Uh, you know, get to know your neighbors, organize, um, get together with people. Do, you know, again, your homework for this week, I did this last time, your homework for this week is get to know some of your neighbors. Just get on a first name basis with some of your neighbors. It really, uh, is it, that step is a big step in the beginning of just, uh, turning just a block where you live into a community where you live with other people. And that's what we need right now because uh, the government doesn't give a fuck about us. So we're just going to do this shit ourselves, it would seem. I'm Brad Pearson. Until next time. Oh, shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. Credits. Uh, uh, music is by Shay Bartell. Thank you, Shay. Uh, theme song is by me and Shay Bartell. Um, rate and review us on iTunes. Um, all the housekeeping stuff, you know, uh, 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 Tell a friend, spread the word on social media, get more ears to the show. Um, Thank you all for doing that. Thank you all for listening. And now, I am Brad Pearson. Until next time, go out and fail. It's good for you. Bye.